Hello, everyone. I welcome you all to a very special episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast hosted by myself, Bernhard Gunther, and my wife, Laura Matsu, and our special guest today for the third time. And I'm really happy to welcome Paul Levy. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I'm just so happy to be here with you guys. Beautiful. Excellent. So obviously followers of our work know that you're the author of Wet Tico and you just released your third book, uh, Undreaming Wet Tico, Breaking the Spell of the Nightmare Mind Virus. And you have two other books on Wet Tico. I'm showing them all now. Your very first one came out already almost over 10 years ago, Dispelling Wet Tico, I believe. And then you have the second uh, version, Wet Tico, Healing the Mind Virus that Plagues Our World. So all of them are highly, highly recommended. Um, and it is a special episode because this is also episode I just found out 111, 111. Oh, nice. So <laughs> oh, wow. Beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> oh, that's great. Beautiful synchronicity. I didn't. I definitely didn't plan on that. Um, but it's a very profound uh, book. You already sent me the manuscript last year to read through. And it really... Um, hit a nerve because you're really beautiful. I can see your own journey over the decade, basically, with these books, uh, your own journey, your own insights, revelations, not just research, but speaking out of deep experience and going deeper and deeper. And it's a very relevant topic. Obviously, everybody understands what Tico with regards to what's happening in the world. And what I like about your work, you really beautifully fuse, you know, the shamanic, hyperdimensional, occult, esoteric aspect of Wetiko, other for occult forces, you know, there are other interdimensional beings or forces that infect or affect humanity, right, uh, in unconscious ways. And it beautifully ties into Jungian psychology, shadow work, projections, and all that ties into that as well. You have a Buddhist background, and you draw from different traditions and teachings, including Sri Aurobindo's occult hostile forces. Remember the last book you cited him, Rudolf Steiner, Wilhelm Reich. And uh, especially in this new book, and that's where you want to talk, Lauren, I want to talk to you about, you also go deeper into childhood wounding, trauma work, ancestral work, and all of that, because that's where, where Tico tags in. And that's exactly what the work, Lauren, I also do uh, with the people you work with or in our work, really combining not only psychological work, but this deeper shamanic work and uh, esoteric work as well. And, and really, I think that's the future, psychosomatic work combining uh, psychospiritual psycho excuse me combining mm -hmm. psychological and spiritual work so um to get started um i know you've done it probably a million times but a lot of people are maybe new to your work and that's good i think um more and more people actually are becoming more aware of your work out of necessity concern regarding what's happening in the world but what is Vatico in a nutshell what how would you describe it yeah no thank you um well the word Watiko, it's a Native American term, and it connotes really, in a way, the spirit of evil, but I unfold it and point out that encoded, so it's like this, this virus of the mind, but encoded in Watiko is not just the source of the darkest evil, but it also is helping us to awaken and to evolve. So it's a quantum phenomena that exists in a superposition of states in that the opposites are right there, both the deepest, darkest evil and the most sublime light are right there in potential. And being that one can conceive of it as being this, this mind virus. And I should just add, 
if people are first hearing about a mind virus and that sounds all woo-woo or new agey or whatever, in essence, what that means is that the source of the of the madness, of the collective madness that our species is playing out, and, and it's undeniable that, you know, our species is having a collective psychosis, that the source and the solution of the collective madness that our species is playing out is to be found within the psyche. Mm. And that's a no-brainer. And it's so obvious that most people, they miss it, and they're continually searching outside of themselves for, oh, the answer is out there, and if only, if only this wasn't happening or whatever. And that's one of the strategies of the mind virus is to actually distract us so we put our attention outside of ourselves. Now, being this virus of the mind, it actually, so it's not a physical virus. So, um, and it actually doesn't even have any independent actual existence. You see, here's the paradox. Mm. So if people hear about there's a mind virus and they get all afraid, no, 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 that's to misunderstand because fear is the superfood for the mind virus. Um, but if people hear, oh, well, it doesn't exist, so then I don't have to even think about it. Well, that point of view is an expression they've gotten possessed by the very mind virus they're thinking doesn't exist. And um, But I'm pointing out that in the absolute sense, there is no such thing as a mind virus. It has no independent existence at all, separate from our own consciousness, and yet it can kill us. So the thing about Watiko, you see, it operates through the blind spots, through um, the unconscious, through the part of us that, you know, we're always projecting onto the inkblot of, of the world. And, you know, and that's, and that's something we're doing 24 seven. And that's what a dream is. Cause think about what a dream, a dream is a projection of the mind. We connect the dots on the inkblot and, and then we impute a certain meaning. And as soon as we do that in the dream, the dream being nothing other than a reflection of our own mind, just, you know, shapeshifts and offers us the evidence of our viewpoint. The What I'm trying to say is that because this mind virus operates through the projective tendencies of our mind, we entrance ourselves. We literally hypnotize ourselves via our projective tendencies in such a way that we've actually put ourselves under a spell. And there's no one else that's doing us. We are doing that to ourselves and so in essence, what I'm describing is the situation of our species, that the human species has fallen under a spell. It's like we're in a fairy tale and we've fallen asleep under a spell and we don't even know, a whole lot of us don't even know we're under a spell, but it's not just like we've fallen asleep. It's as if there's this darker force within our psyche that's invested in keeping us asleep, Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to get in focus with this idea of the mind virus, and keep in mind, it's not just my idea. I'm a translator. You know, it's a Native American idea. It's in every spiritual tradition. They talk about this mind virus, but not in, you know, in, in just in, in a different some symbolic way or different language. And, and they're all pointing at this is the most important thing to understand. You know, now uh, just one thing like um, Philip K. Dick, who in I think the second Watiko book, I have a chapter on him because he was completely switched on to Watiko. He called it the Black Iron Prison. And he 
you know, now I'll just kind of take a step back. In the apocryphal text of the Bible, they talk about what you call when they call it the counterfeiting spirit, that it it mimics us, it impersonates us. And I'm going to go back to that in a little bit. But what Philip K. Dick says is he says, this mimicking stuff is the key to everything. That's a quote of Philip K. Dick. And that's what I'm pointing at. There's something happening through our unconscious that we are participating in that's keeping us asleep. And that is the source of the collective madness. And it's the source of the incredible evil that we're playing out. And, and that's what he go. And it operates on all scales, both within our own minds, interpersonally via our relationships and collectively as, you know, through the body politic of the world. And my whole work is trying to help people to see it because it can only operate the way it does, you know, in a covert way and have power over us to the extent that we're blind to it because mm -hmm. it operates through our blind spots. But once we begin to see how it operates via, you know, the world and people's reactions and within our own minds, then all of a sudden we take away its power and we become empowered. So in essence, that's what my work is about. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, you know, key aspect of um, with Tico is that, that on what you just described, that it creates a counterfeit version of ourselves, which we identify with the false, right. so to speak, and it works through us. Right. And through this identification, then we also externalize all evil and see it all out there separate from us. Right. Yeah. When people find out about Watiko, since it operates through projection, I imagine that they see Watiko everywhere except in themselves as well. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Or like yeah. the other side, the other political side, these people, you know. That's right. a very good point. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and you actually, in the beginning of your new book, you have a whole chapter. Um, that they're, you know, since the release of your work over the past decade, your work has also been distorted or falsely interpreted, like oversimplification, misunderstandings about Wittiko that mis people mistake it just for the shadow or the lower self or just separate demonic entity, which it is not, you know. Um, so can you share a little bit about what, how do you have seen, like how this concept of Wittiko has, has distorted and how hard it is to grasp because you know, by the nature of Wetiko, once you start studying it, it will also counteract <laughs> or interfere with trying to understand it. It's, can, can you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Well, the thing about Wetiko, you know, I mean, I'm you're so right on in that it's this formless, whatever it is, seeming entity that can take on any form so as to express itself. And over the years, I've had people who are like, no, 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 I've found Watiko and it's like an amoeba and it's like a, or a paramecium or it's like this. And, you know, right away, I, I know, oh, okay, they're they're mistaking the actual like transient form for the thing itself. Mm. And that's a category error, you know, and or the thing is like the thing about Watiko, it, it's this transpersonal energy. It's this daimonic energy, this archetypal energy. And a very simple way of understanding that it's a higher dimensional energy that can take over a person. Mm -hmm. And the person so taken over is oblivious to that they become possessed. And, you know, war could take over not just one person, but a whole number of people or a nation or a species. 
So but it's kind think, of like mass formation psychosis that we we see happening in the world. Is that like a collective form of Watiko, would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know, the idea of the mass formation psychosis, and that's such a controversial thing. And I've I've really studied, you know, his work, Matthias Desmet's work, and I think it's really profound. I think it's super right on. And I think the criticism that people have, I just want to be clear, um, is is mistaken. I think they don't understand what he's pointing at. And the key thing that I think is the source of the controversy is he's saying that, yeah, people get taken over and they then that there's a deeper archetypal pattern that's enacting them. And then his critics say, oh, but you need to hold the people responsible who are the instruments. And he's not saying they shouldn't be held responsible. No, yeah. they're the ones who are responsible for unwittingly offering themselves as an instrument for this, you know, darker force to, to, to act through. Mm -hmm. But what he's pointing at is that if you take those particular people out, you know, you, you, oh, let's say we get them and we lock them up, but we don't deal with the deeper process. The archetype will just supply over time, other, you know, the, you know other characters, other yeah. dream characters to people that embody and play that role. It's a deeper archetypal pattern. And unless you deal with that, then you know it's then you're just doing palliative care and it's very superficial mm -hmm. and um but i want to just go back to something about because it's really important the thing about watiko being this higher dimensional energy it can take over a person right or a group of people like i was saying and when we see somebody at a given moment and we we recognize oh they're being taken over so on the one hand it's very um tricky because if we think they're being taken over and and they're separate from us, well, then that point of view is Watiko, and then we've fallen under the spell. So the point is to, to recognize they're reflecting that part of us, but then if we think, oh, well, they're so taken over, they're just evil, mm. they're just embodying evil, well, then we're conflating the personal and the archetypal. That's one uh, of the mistakes. Yeah. Because yeah. no, 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 they're not evil. They're just an ignorant human being. Yeah. And you know, and as a person, they're, they just don't know what they're doing. And um, you don't want to conflate that with, oh, make an equivalency. Oh, there are there like evil itself. No, no, no. They're a vector for evil. Yes. Mm -hmm. You want to identify them and solidify them because then that then when you do that, you're feeding Watiko. So there are all these errors that people make or. In, you know, I, I coined this acronym, I think it's called premature comprehension syndrome or something like that. It's in the yeah, new book. PCD, premature comprehension delusion. <laughs> delusion, right, right, right. I forget my own acronyms. And and what it is, is somebody I'll start talking about Watiko. And it's like, you know, I've written th three books about it because it's so profound. And I'll get like 15 seconds into my intro you know, trying to explain this unbelievably profound multidimensional concept and the person will go like, oh, no, 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 I understand. I get it. And and then they've just foreclosed any any possibility of of actually really taking in the profundity of what I'm trying to point at. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. fascinating. People talk a lot about Wetiko without actually having really studied what it is to begin with, really understanding right your research and and deeply in within themselves I, I mean that's a story of my life as well of my work people read a headline or or a paragraph and then think they already know what it's all about strawman arguments out of context and all of that and then especially for Betico because it is so tricky and so um intelligent has its own intelligence itself it will dilute and make itself uh, you know distort the mind of somebody trying to examine it um right. 
but a very important part was Laura just mentioned, and you just confirmed this is a very key aspect. Um, because like you also mentioned in your work that Wetiko's favorite strategy is to make think that the problem is outside of us. Right? Right. The real problem is the misconception of who we are, number one. And then what Laura mentioned as well, and I can see it as well, we always, especially in the truth of community or like people who are more aware of, of the world, it's always externalizing of evil. It's all out there. It's nothing yeah. we, I'm fine, I'm good. It's all the evil psychopaths out there. But, yeah, yeah. you know, these are people who are not really engaged in, in any inner work, let alone shadow work, psychological work, trauma work, let alone understanding how Wetiko may work through them. And I have right. to, within myself, when I dive deep and have my, I have my triggers, I have my traumas where Wetiko tags in and I can see sometimes how Wetiko um, uh, works through me in, in what right. comes through. And I have to, you know, that's just, but by this awareness, you can use it as a teaching function, so to speak, because it highlights your issues I've found. But I think that is yeah. very important that we do not just externalize, and like you said, all the evil, especially if you just see it from a material way of just people, it's just symptom and focusing on the symptoms rather the cause. Yeah. And then yeah. Over circles and circles. And so, you know, you mentioned in the new book, Alice Miller wrote to you, right, about how, mm -hmm. who wrote, for those who don't know, she wrote Drama of the Gifted Child. And, you know, she pointed out that childhood wounding could have been behind Wetiko, which then you further explored in a chapter in the new book. And I'm just curious. So, you know, because if Wetiko is related to childhood abuse, does its voice then typically take on the traits of the abuser? Like, does that does that become a potential manifestation of it? Like, so if you had a very yeah, yeah. critical parent, you get this internalized voice of the inner critic, because you also mentioned that Wetiko manifest differently depending on the individual, right? And depending on what the complexes of their psyche are. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm curious if you've seen that happen in people, if like the Wichita yeah, yeah, totally. well, there, There's a couple of things about that. So on the one hand, I think it's the first chapter in the book, I point out that, you know, because I've been for years contemplating, like, what is the origin of Watiko? Is it some sort of collective trauma that happened to our species? Or, mm -hmm. you know, some people think, oh, there's these negative ETs or, and I'm open to all of that. But I also am more and more convinced that the origin of Watiko is unhealed, multi-generational ancestral trauma, that to the extent, because our species is in trauma, and to the extent that we haven't owned it, we're going to enact it unconsciously on our next of kin, as if we're giving a transmission or that's the psychic inheritance. And, um, you know, to the extent that our kids, then they're, you know, carrying the trauma. And if they don't do their inner work and integrate it, they're just going to, they're going to be compelled. They can't help but to unconsciously act out their unintegrated, unhealed abuse issues and traumas and wounding on their kids and it gets passed down the generations. And I just want to connect this in the collective works. Jung talks about that evil regenerates itself over the generations. Mm. And that's important mm. because mm. this is what he's pointing at. Mm. Okay. That we are actually unconsciously colluding and participating in, you know, enacting our abuse, the evil of the abuse and transmitting it to the next person who becomes the lineage holder. And it just gets passed down the lineage Till somebody has the awareness and the courage, you know, to, to stop, to break the chain. But I want to also point out, so that's happening in a family system, you know, but it also happens in our world where we then, you know, this world there, it's a, it's not safe to just be ourselves and share our light and express ourselves. 
you know, um, because we'll get censored, we'll get deplatformed, as you guys know, you know, as yeah. we all know. And and what happens when that's the culture that we're living in, that control system gets internalized into our psyche and gets pushed down into the unconscious to the point where we then become our own control system. Mm. And we then unconsciously shut down our own voice. And so we then have internalized the voice of the abuser, of the oppressor. Mm. And, and then there's no one else who has to like do that to us. We've done that to ourselves. And that's why the corollary of that is the profound importance of connecting with our creative self and expressing that. That's mm. the medicine. Yeah, because I almost see it in myself, you know, like I have this very creative spirit connection to the daimon, as the youngians would say. Right. Like there's this extreme inner critic voice, which is built off of experiences of childhood that just comes in and attacks me every now and then, you know, and it's right. vicious. And I think that's basically how Watiko, I've seen it in the people we work with, manifests. This is like it becomes either an interject so it's the voice of their abuser beating themselves up or if it becomes deeply unconscious they then project that abuse onto other people in the same way that they were abused yet they're right. typically unconscious of it and they're like no they deserve this they're evil you know and it just right. becomes this constant shadow dance yeah 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 and if i could say one thing about that what you just said it's important is that you know what i've seen in the work i do with people whether one-on-one or in groups, is that it, as they're in the, you know, the process of healing, invariably that that abuser, that inner abuser has to actually show up through them. But if it if they become, you know, possessed by it and acted out, you know, that's hurtful to the other person or to themselves or whatever. But if they're able to access that in a homeopathic dose, mm. when I say homeopathic, it's like this bite-sized bit that they can actually metabolize. And so they it's almost like then they're experiencing the abuser from the inside because that's actually helping them to recognize, oh, that abuser is me at this point. Yeah, it happened historically and it had, it had gotten dreamed up externally. But now I've internalized it, and now there's no external, you know, um, um, abuser or oppressor other than myself. And if it's homeopathic, if it's a homeopathic dose, then they can actually assimilate it. Mm. And I see that again and again. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So basically, in the sense how we can um, turn off Wetiko or in terms of not let us influence us or heal the witiko of mind virus throughout ourselves and in the world is on the fundamental level to engage in shadow work, you know, to make our shadow conscious, to face our trauma, our childhood wounding and heal that and reconnect our true essence and soul, right? Because when we are traumatized, uh, we develop a false self as well. We compensate, right? All the, right. you know, through the, through the trauma. And what Tico's aspect is also identification with the false self, with the counterfeit. So we're thinking with that. Mm. And then as long as we're unconscious of our trauma or our shadow, we just experience it uh, externally or project it externally, right? And, you know, basically since all is one, I mean, all the conflict, uh, the polarization and the horror we see in the world is also a, a mirror of the conflict within ourselves, of right. the battle of, of right. the ego versus and the that's, And what you're saying, so on the one hand, you know, the shadow thing is super important, but I want to differentiate it. It's not, you know, there's the personal shadow, yeah. you know, our own stuff, and then there's the archetypal shadow. 
Mm. And, and, you know, and not everybody is strong enough to deal with um, that, you know, but those of us who are called to do that, you know, and that's sort of that archetypal shadow, that's the, the evil of mythology and like the evil, it's a transpersonal evil. And, um, you know, and that's only something if you're called, like people who are called to be healers or shamans or teachers or creative artists or whatever, they're fated to come to terms with that deeper level of trauma of the archetypal shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, But up until then, you know, yeah, we have to, you know, that the doorway into the archetypal shadow is through the personal shadow. Yeah. Because, you know, like a mistake I see people making is they want to go right to the archetypal, the, you know, the deeper dimension of stuff and they go around their personal issues. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You have to first really go through your personal shadow, mm-hmm. all of that, you know, to get to get to the deeper, you know, sort of mythic archetypal patterning that's that's playing out. And then what you also said, which is a key thing for helping to heal Watiko, is having the recognition that what's playing out in the world is somehow reflecting what's actually happening inside of our psyches you know, and to begin to see that that's to begin to see the dreamlike nature. Yeah. Because, and when I say the dreamlike nature, think about you're in a dream, whatever's playing out in, in the, in the actual dream is actually, it's nothing other than a reflection of what's going on in your mind. So as you begin to see the correlation between the outer and the inner, that's when you begin to see the dreamlike nature and seeing the dreamlike nature actually it it connects you more with this incredible creative agency that we've mostly been unconscious of so Watiko is like an archetypal form of evil essentially right and then it expresses yeah oh oh yeah no definitely i would say that i mean you know it is one way of describing sort of the archetype of evil but the thing I'm pointing at, and this isn't me, this is so many people have said this before me. I think of, you know, in the collective works, Jung makes it very clear. He says um, that it's as if God has placed this special purpose in evil, mm. that it's revealing to us something that is most important for us to know, mm. you know? And he also says, he says, the big problem of our time is that we don't recognize what's happening in the world. And then he clarifies, he goes, what's happening is that the darkness of the soul is becoming manifest, Mm. the darkness of the unconscious. And that's informing the evil. And if we just turn away or project it out there, because the thing about Watiko, it's a form of being blind. So if we turn that blind eye towards the darkness, us doing that, us being like an ostrich is itself feeding Watiko. And that's why the importance of seeing it. Yeah. And also, you know, if you split off part of your shadow, it can grow. You know, Carl Jung said it grows to godlike proportions. But I also see the power of archetypal evil, because for people who are kind of new to shadow work, if you identify with an archetype, it's actually more powerful than you. And you have a strong you can have a strong tendency to get taken over by it, you know? Yeah. And then you become inflated and that's, yeah. and then all of a sudden you, you've lost touch with, with just being a human being. Yes. You know? And that's the danger. I see that with people doing plant medicine. Yeah. They'll, they'll have yeah. like this profound experience of the higher self. 
And then the next thing you know, they're telling everybody what they need to do. And they're like, no, 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 I'm the enlightened one. Yes. Because instead of cultivating a relationship with the higher self, they've identified with it. They and identified that, with that's the archetype, a, yeah. Yeah, with the archetype. And that's a form of psychosis. I mean, yes. really. Yes. Yeah. Now, you had to make a very important point because that's there are two quote-unquote traps. Number one is denying the evil like a lot of people do. I don't want to give it attention because that's how I can easily see the concept of where Tico can be abused as well. Oh, because it's non-local, it just doesn't really exist. Everything is subjective, it's just dreamlike. I'm just not giving it any attention. I'm not so, going to dream it. Uh, so it won't right. exist. But that's like denying the shadow. It will grow uh, no matter what uh, if you're ignoring it. It will stronger and exactly. powerful, more powerful. And the yeah, other yeah. trap is to completely externalize it and see it out there, what I call the blame victim trap, you know? Which yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you have, when you have not made your shadow conscious or your trauma and your wounding, whatever you've experienced in childhood or even past life, the pain, you will externalize, right? Things yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind. And the thing is, you know, by, um, you know, when people say, oh, no, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm so familiar with this. You know, I have one of the, the biggest new age bookstores in, in the country is blocks from my house. And, you know, I've been on the faculty there for years and they won't carry my Watiko books because <laughs> they're so identified with love and light, mm. you know, and their point of view is that, oh, yeah, we don't want to put any attention on evil because that feeds it. But what they don't realize is that by avoiding, they're avoiding relationship with a part of themselves. And that is mm. Watiko. So yeah. they are unwittingly, see, that's the 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 elusiveness and, you know, just how tricky it is dealing with evil by them and their good, kind, spiritual people with the best of intentions. Yeah. But by them saying, no, 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 I don't want to focus on evil. They're unwittingly offering, them, offering themselves into evil's hands, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so there's that. Um, and then there's the externalizing it, you know, the projecting, you know, because the whole dynamic of projecting the shadow, I talk about in my work, that's the psychological dynamic of you know that underlies what he go yeah young yeah. calls projecting the shadow the lie that's what he refers to it as in his work and who is the liar in the bible it's the devil you know and so i i you know the thing to, and just to do a little thing about uh association with the devil there are two things like one is you know something like oh yeah his great you know the idea that he can convinces us that, um, you know, there's no such thing as the devil, that that's the, you know, one of the strategies. But the other strategy is that he convinces us that there is a thing as the devil, that both, it's such a paradox trying to wrap our mind around like this nature of evil, because some people, like you were saying, think, oh, evil doesn't exist. So then I don't have to put my attention on it. Well, it's like if there's a cholera epidemic in the next town, and if we just say, oh, no, it doesn't exist. You know, it's all a function of my imagination. I'm not going to put any attention on it. Well, then you'll be killed, you yeah. know? Yeah. So we have to understand the nature of the beast that yeah. we're dealing with is basically the point. And it could also speak, you know, because to their own denial of their own shadow, of their own trauma and not wanting to look at it, you know, because... You know, I've read quite a few of Alice Miller's books, and I agree that child abuse has been an epidemic for multiple generations. I mean, only now it's becoming a little bit better and with some focus on attachment style parenting. But I can see how a lot of us has been subject to, you know, child rearing practices that were abusive that aren't accepted now. And we just do have this epidemic of, um, you know, 
trauma essentially and right. i can also see how it's hard for people to want to look at that because it's painful and yeah. it can unravel a lot and i know for myself right. i came from a background i experienced abusing childhood for like basically 28 years of my life and i've encountered what i would call a type of evil in my family of origin in my life at a very young age and uh, interestingly facing that and the wounds that it caused and the trauma it caused within me was my turning point to awaken to something deeper like it's almost like it kind of pushed me to the brink of really seeing the state of humanity but then it pushed me towards god as well and i think that's kind of what you're pointing at is that through facing this evil this archetypal evil we can actually rediscover our true nature but it's not it, it's actually right. through facing it that we can do that and it's yeah. interesting because there is this whole like there is this almost holistic place for evil in the evolution of consciousness it almost kind of it's like the the tree that doesn't reach to hell can't go to heaven like Carl Jung said yeah. it's like the deeper right. we can really understand personal evil the evil we've been subjected to are then and then archetypal evil the deeper we have a chance to truly awaken i think yeah yeah well that it's what you just described is so much the same with me it was having a direct encounter with evil when i was younger that radically you know just reconfigured my whole life and um and there's this 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 disincentive to deal with it because it's so painful Yes. But for me, it was so overwhelming. I just didn't have a choice. And so many people I know, you know, who like are, you know, they're, they're ex addicts or alcoholics or, you know, they've had intense abuse or trauma or wounding and they've gone through it. And they'll then come across my work and they'll right away get what I'm pointing at. Mm. But people who haven't dealt with their trauma, and are just very happy in the mainstream consensus reality, they'll come across my work and they'll be like, just totally baffled going like, what is this? Like, it just seems crazy, a mind virus, what? Yeah. So it really is this going through an initiation of having our encounter in our personal lives with, with some form of darkness or pain or suffering, that seems to really sort of refine us in a certain way and make us really receptive um, you know, to understanding this deeper level of stuff that that we're trying to shed light on, you know. Very interesting because what you shared before is also important to note that we cannot jump s any skips uh, steps. You know, uh, spiritual bypassing, for example. You know, right. from your personal shadow first. I see a lot of people, well-meaning people in the truth of community and want to speak out truth, but like eradicating evil in the world, but their whole life is in shambles. Right and right. you know, and then not or they're projecting right. their pain onto the world and thinking, yeah. But at right. the same time, you know, we want to help the world. We want to get the knowledge out about Wetiko, about you know, and Laura and I, what I do in our work. But what you mentioned before, there's a higher law. The psyche has its own healing timetable, and there are different levels of evolution. Right. Because, like you said, not everybody is ready for the shamanic work. Because doing right. deep shadow work, trauma work, facing Wetiko in the world and within yourself requires a certain strength of soul, even a certain right. ego strength, I would say, right. to right. go there. Uh, hence, we cannot push this work on others. It's like kind of like here it is. And we have seen this over the years with your work, with our work, people are drawn to it when they're ready, but we cannot right. just push it on it. And I think some that's what is missing in nowadays as well in, in the truth of community and all of that, like a bigger picture understanding of the evolution of consciousness that just not everybody's quote ready to awaken 
because of you know uh, various karmic soul lesson factors and right. needs to happen in its own time it doesn't mean to sit back but the best way we can help it do the work ourselves right yeah yeah well the thing is it's funny because you know i had uh, talking about trauma this overwhelming trauma that almost killed me and it destroyed my entire family and and i'm still dealing with it and it's 40 plus years later and there are some people who are like what you're still you haven't killed yet you're still dealing with it like like they're privy to the you know to the divine timing schedule mm. and you know and i i mean i don't know what to say to them when they say that it makes me sad but yeah there is a timing that isn't just of our own making and i'll see it in myself where i'll be working with somebody and i'll uh, and i'll have the the hallucination that oh i see just what they need to understand and oh if they only really would get this they would be healed and free and and what invariably happens i'll try to offer that to them as like my gift to them and typically they won't receive it mm. and and then you know i can easily get into judging them or whatever but as i've unfolded that i realize well wait a second no that's my own arrogance i'm not in a position to know <laughs> what they need to understand it could be they haven't hit bottom yet Mm -hmm. And maybe they're on a different timing schedule. And it could be maybe I just need to be present and accepting with where they're at. And so, yeah, it's easy to fall into that from both points of view. Yeah. And maybe even, you know, the encounter with Utiko, the encounter with this kind of archetypal evil, you know, maybe we're not meant to fully heal it. Maybe it's just this ongoing inner teacher that we use, mm. you know, and it's never eradicated with it. I mean, it won't be eradicated unless it's eradicated co collectively. That's kind of what you're suggesting in the title of your book, right? We have to collectively yeah. undream it in order to completely undo it, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a really interesting question because, you know, is, you know, is it ever going to go away? And and I see in theory, yeah, when our species awakens, when when a sufficient number of us, like the hundredth monkey thing, and mm. when we awaken, yeah, then you know that can change the deeper quantum field, the collective unconscious, and we can dream up a world that's what you go free. That is true, I think, in theory, you know, and and possibly in practice. But up until then, I just love your image of what Tico is like our teacher. And it's actually showing us stuff about who we are. And it's not just showing us, oh, yeah, you you have this darker part in you, but it's showing us our light. That's the, the paradox, that the more we integrate our shadow, um, the more we are able to access our intrinsic light, you know? Right. I mean, and, and, and yeah, the thing about what Tico just cataly it's catalyzing our evolution as a species. Yeah. Now, it's fascinating, even like... It's a very good point because even what is uh, the paradox you see over the past three years with this attempted enslavement of humanity where we see worldwide medical tyranny, the insanity, the mass psychosis, all of that, it did trigger an awakening. We see it in our work with the people work with people right. who sudden are more receptive to what I've been writing at my work I've been for over 20 years. They're more receptive to where Tico. It forces them to right. focus on what truly matters, right? They're more open right. to the inner work. It comes through actually challenges and hardships. Uh, you know, relationships uh, severed, family, friends, and all of that suffering. But that's the fertile, uh, the fertile ground, the ferment, which goes the ferment for the evolution of consciousness. So it does yeah, yeah. awakening. And I think what you said was, you know, 
I remember the mother of Shio Bindo's uh, partner said, you know, that mm -hmm. these hostile forces, they're as, as necessary as long as we haven't fully uh, surrendered to the divine and spiritualized our being. And that's just, you know, that's the function of the cosmos, yeah. right? To go right. deeper, to connect our essence and soul. And I think we've been tricked. And that's, I think, also uh, dogmatic religion has also been infected with Wetiko and specific, let's say, very fundamentalist Christian teachings yeah. when they are completely externalized evil. This is devil, this is the Satan, you know, and you just accept Jesus as fine, like almost uh, creating this duality when it's not, uh, when it's not a, a specific duality at all, actually, right? Yeah. And um, almost being taught that this is something we need to destroy, we need to get away of evil, we need to kill all the psychopaths, we need to uh, gas them, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah. Self is an and, aspect of Wetiko. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and by that, by thinking we need to kill all the people who are, then we are at that moment, we're offering ourselves, we're literally possessed by the very yeah. evil yeah. we're trying to destroy. That's yeah. an example of how we actually, the projective tendencies of our mind, we've, we've actually, you know, hypnotized ourselves. Yeah. And, and one way to really, you know, just I trip out on this all the time, in a dream, if you're holding a viewpoint, what is the dream but a reflection of your mind? So the, the dream then offers you all the evidence confirming, you know, the seeming objective truth of your viewpoint. So then you become more fixed in the viewpoint, seeing it through that lens, and the dream just will instantaneously, in no time at all, just give you all the confirmation, you know, that proves your viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's a self-reinforcing feedback loop in which you've entranced yourself. And yeah. that is a way of describing Watiko. And, and yet there's no one else doing that. We are doing that. We have this like, you know, superhero power of co-creating reality. But to the extent we're not conscious of it, then you could think of like this, this mind virus then plugs into that genius and turns it against us in a way that's killing us. Mm. You know. Yeah. So, you want to say something? I was going to switch to the next. Do you want to say something to this topic, or? Um, no, you can. You can. Yeah, because I was going to go move on um, from the yeah, yeah. picture now, because in your book there's so much to cover, <laughs> and yeah, people, yeah. I encourage people to get the book. Uh, absolutely, I will link to it in the info section. But from the bigger picture, the collective, you have a whole chapter on relationships. Very important, right. very fascinating, and how it tickle plays out in relationships, especially close, right. intimate relationship, family, and so forth. And I think it's very important because uh, um, we are relationships have been severed a lot over the past few years. We are more spending right. time on social media, you know, and. Um, all there is is relationship. How we relate to anyone. So, can you share a little bit about how Wetiko is easily get uh, infects relationships and even creates problems you have a whole chapter or gave an example creates problems with there where there are actually no problems right right sure well no that's i mean i would say that the major channel that watiko operates in our world is via our relationships mm. with each other with our own selves you know and um you know just think about you know there's a relationship whether it's an intimate relationship or a close friend relationship and everything's, you know, zen and chill and harmonic and good, and they're all connected. And all of a sudden, something will happen and there's a misunderstanding, or they feel hurt, or they, they feel separate. And, um, you know, one way, and, and this can spiral out of control to the point where it can destroy the relationship, and then people get divorced or whatever. And, you know, one way to think about it, okay, is who we are 
we we have this this multiplicity of selves, right? We're like a full spectrum hologram. But then say if I'm in trauma, right? And so being in trauma unconsciously, I'm like my unconscious, it's sort of scanning the environment to attract somebody to play out my unhealed trauma with. Say if there is an abuser, right? Or an authority figure, then out of the multiplicity of the person I'm in relationship with, I might, and it's all unconscious, I might actually amplify that authority, that abusive, potentially abusive part of the other person. And that's the part that I'm unconsciously invoking. Mm-hmm. And, and then by doing that, I'm actually making it more probable that that abusive part of them, even if it's 1%, might actually play out and manifest. And as soon as it does, now I have evidence that they're the abuser. Mm. And so then I concretize them as being that. And, and, and then I'm seeing that's the whole of them. I've forgotten all of the other parts of them. And what I'm describing is that that person is dreaming. They, are, they have literally dreamed out their unconscious trauma via the medium of their relationship. And now the person who's the recipient of that projection, if they're awake, they might understand, you know, oh, yeah, no, this person is just projecting their unhealed trauma. I can like, I can play this out with them in a way that can help them. But what typically happens, you see, when we see the unconscious, and this is important, being the the unconscious, like what he go, it's non-local. So it's impossible to see the unconscious without your own unconscious getting activated. Okay. Mm. In the same way, it's impossible to see what you go without the what you go and you being activated. Then it becomes a question, okay, what do you do with the unconscious part of you that's gotten activated? So the recipient of that projection, who's now being projected on that they're an abuser, if if you know, if they deal with what's getting, you know, triggered in them, it's sort of like, you know, like this transference, counter-transference yes. thing. Therapy. Objective identification but, too. Yeah, it, it just opens up a whole deeper psychological dynamic. But if all of a sudden, if they're not able to um, to metabolize in the moment, and who is, because, you know, this is all happening via the medium of the unconscious, they might react to being projected on that they're an abuser, which will just confirm to the other person the truth of, of their projection. Yeah. And then, and so then that even makes the first person who is the projector even more certain. Oh, that you see this person. And so, in other words, what I'm describing, they're gonna be in, you know, unconsciously enacting their unhealed abuse mm-hmm. via the medium of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not necessarily problematic. That's great if there's the container, the alchemical vessel, and they can actually have the meta-awareness of really just contemplating, wow, I feel right now we're dreaming and you're playing the role of the abuser and I'm reacting and this makes me remember what happened with my father. And then it becomes a gift where they can really assimilate their deeper shadow. But if they don't do that, then it can just more and more amplify to the point where they get into a fight, where they like concretize, you know, concretize each other in these roles. It gets polarized. Then they feel hurt and misunderstood and separate and they could break up. I mean, that's just an example. And I think everybody has experienced that in one form or another. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it seems like, I mean, it, I, I know from our own conflicts when Wetiko gets activated, that it takes a really strong sense of being able to withdraw your projections yeah. to not respond in the moment, to not get infected by the projection and identifying with the projection that someone's yeah. projected on you. So someone says, oh, you're right. really angry, and then you become angry. It takes right. a really strong sense of both self-awareness of what's happening, mm -hmm. and I would say even strong psyche to sit with those projections and almost because, you know, one thing that comes to mind is Carl Jung talks about withdrawing our projections and resting in the house of the gathering where we gather up all the projections and kind of rest in that space. Right. And what I've seen psychically, it's quite intense to withdraw those projections and be with it because then you realize what you're projecting on the outer world is actually within your own psyche and you have to kind of sit with that energy and get to know it and it's not easy especially in the moment of conflict yeah. when nervous systems are activated oh it's not easy at all. but I can i can see that it's, you know exactly because uh exactly how you just described paul because of we get a conflict a conflict in general you easily get triggered something gets activated your own trauma inner child and it's it's very overwhelming emotionally so it's it's easier said than done right to kind of stay objective you know but if you can do that work and stay aware and understand what's going on to see how Vatika almost takes over mm. yeah and you see this yeah. fascinating because interpersonal relationship you know, we have that, and then you have the body politic. That's also a mirror of interpersonal relationships. Right. I even like to go back to like I want to talk about this later too, more in the second hour, um, uh, about the the left versus right uh, political domain we have right now. You know what I mean? Right. The woke left versus the conservative right and whatnot, and everybody has the issues yeah. and what. But the extreme and projecting on each other, almost <laughs> creating the other one. Yes. As as we go along. Yes. You know. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, and then this is, uh -huh. so for example, one thing we've seen is like everyone was talking about the Christian nationalists, the white supremacists over the past, you know, I guess since 2016. And we've actually seen the rise of that movement on the right become stronger and stronger, almost as if they accepted the collective projection. Yeah. A part of them obviously identified right. it, and it's actually made it become stronger through the projection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what? just one thought I'm having as, you, as you're describing this, you know, it's just really important for people who are in the role of teachers, you know, like us, for example, you know, and I, I do this as often as I can, to like, to like show people, look, I get triggered and I'll project. And this isn't just something like, oh, I'm all enlightened and I'm like above the fray. Yeah. No, no, no. It can help people so much to see that the people in the position of the teachers, you know, they're, they're in the soup to quote young that's being cooked for all of us. We're all in the soup. We're all in this together, you know? And, um, cause that can be really helpful because it's so easy to, to, to think of the teacher as being above us or separate from us. And, oh, they don't struggle with the whole projection or the whole relationship, you know, problems or whatever. No, no, no. This is endemic to just being, being a human being. And it's, it's really, really helpful to just, you know, not have that hierarchy and to see, no, we're all dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to wrap it up, did you have something you want to say or can I? No, no I just want to just to wrap up that topic. I, mean, I think it's very important what you mentioned because there's a, a very, just to wrap up the topic on relationships, the most important is have the sacred container, the crucible of the, of the, uh, the relationship, right? right? Crucible. It's very important because we see it in right. our relationship, 
it can intensify the process and there's more opportunity for um, for the work, so to speak, because more stuff comes up via especially intimate close relationships. Right. I think a lot of right. people nowadays avoid relationships yes. uh, too much because they look, look for the perfect person, they have hooked on social media without understanding, no, you need to get in, in a relationship and deal with what's coming up and that's the power of it. And I'm not implying to stay in abusive relationships, but people, right. um, you know, avoid the work. They think that any relationship that is meant to be my soulmate, twin flame, that is just harmony, love, and light. Uh, and that's just simply not the case. So the avoidance of relationship keeps us actually entrapped well, as well. And how do you know? we learn about ourselves without the mirror of the relationship to reflect back? You know, it's very easy, I think, to deceive ourselves when we're all alone in our kind of little bubble. But the moment we start to talk and relate to another person, we get information and feedback from them about how we are, how we're feeling. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's a part of self-work as well. And if I could just add one or a couple things, one is... Um, etymologically mirror the word mirror it literally means the holder of the shadow mm. so when you're in a relationship and you're you're having somebody play the mirror what are they mirroring back but this unconscious shadow part of you and one other thing about that it's you know if somebody is single and they're acting out their unconscious and you know or they're they're acting out their shadow yeah they can see it um at a particular moment but it's easy for that to become an idea of their shadow instead of a real direct experience mm -hmm. but if that person is acting out their shadow and their partner sees them acting out their shadow and they see that their partner is seeing them acting out their shadow that activates a process in their psyche where they realize their shadow realizes they're being seen mm -hmm. and and that radically is a different experience than when there's no other witness you know mm -hmm. out outside of them and um you know so that's also the benefit of being in a relationship is that it, it just really you know can activate a deeper dynamic in our psyche mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so just to close up the first hour um you know i just want to touch on what you said earlier so Wetiko is really identifying with the false eye. You've also called it this counterfeiting spirit. So mm -hmm. in order to be free of Wetiko, we essentially need to understand the true self, our true nature. And it seems that we also need to be able to have that ability to self-observe, to observe Wetiko as almost like the separate sub-personality within ourselves, not identify with it but just observe it with compassion and see it within ourselves and how it acts out in our relationships without projecting it outwards. Is that essentially- Right, but but the, even that? there, when when I'm seeing, say, oh, I'm seeing Watiko, I can easily then identify with with that I. Oh, I'm seeing Watiko, which is then I fall under the spell of Watiko. So mm -hmm. it's it's really tricky what you're, what you're pointing at, but it, it, you're absolutely like, you know, right on in that developing you know that that meta awareness you know um that is the the perspective of the self of the higher self in that it's not it's not identified with any perspective mm -hmm. and you know and it's just open like space and and it's helpful to to objectify what you go and that we can get into that maybe the second yeah. you know hour but like one other thought i was having too is that when I notice when I'm in relationship with someone and I'm tracking the Watiko in them, oh, and I'm watching, oh, wow, Watiko's in their driver's seat. The Watiko in them 
tracks that I'm tracking it. And it will do everything it can to take them away. Even just psychically when you start to track it? Oh, totally. I don't even have to say a word. You know, I've learned that, you know, when you're tracking Watiko and somebody else, they might have no idea that you're tracking it, but the Watiko and them knows. Wow. And, And I've seen this again and again, right as I'm getting closer to like flooding light on it to the point where it'll become unemployed. Oh, all of a sudden I have a class on the night of the group. I can't make it. Sorry. See you later. And they're out of here. You know, so there's so many different aspects of this that, you know, are helpful to just bring to the light. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank, thanks so much, Paul. So on the second hour, definitely want to dive deeper, especially you onto your book, also interesting Wilhelm Rice concept of the murder of Christ. Right. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to also talk more about the polarization of our times, what we just hinted at, you know, with the mass psychosis, the left yeah, yeah, yeah. right, the vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers, all of that. You have a whole chapter, very fascinating, on the battle for our angel. Mm-hmm. That's what I really right. want to talk about, the daimian and uh, Rudolf Senna talks about the angel, the necessity to connect to our creative spirit, right? Right. The activity within um, and also you talk about towards the end about AI transhumanism technology, right? The age of materialism and how this is also can be easily, obviously taking, uh, is taken over with Tico, the murder of our soul or dislodging of our soul. Yeah. Yeah. And so forth. Um, but do you say something? Yeah, we can close yeah, off. The close off. Yeah. So for anybody, I'm going to give shout out an amazing book, Undreaming Wetiko, the third book in the series, Breaking the Spell of the Nightmare Mind Virus. I'm obviously linked to it in the info section of this podcast. And your also website, it's awakeninthedream.com. Right, all right. It's, uh, awakeninthedream.com. Awaken in the dream. Um, you can find more about Paul's work, articles, and many other videos as well. Um, is there anything anywhere else people can contact you or, that's, or any events coming up? That are events? Special? Um, not really. No, I just did the book release. And, you know, if they want to contact me, you know, there's a way of doing that on the website, you know, they send me an email. And um, yeah, I hope people go to the website because, you know, there's just a ton of articles and videos, you know, and interviews, I just want to get this work out, you know, and you know, it's not monetized. I mean, yeah, people can buy a book or a book a session. But yeah. everything else is free because yeah. this stuff that I'm tapping into, I mean, it's healing me and it's medicine, you yeah. know, for, for all of us. And I'm just wanting to to get it out. Beautiful. Thanks Beautiful. so much, Paul. Thank you. And anybody who wants access to the second hour is not a member yet can go to my website, veilofreality.com. You have access to all the second hours of all the podcasts. And we'll be right back. Thank you. <laughs> 